Church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. Start, we're going to do part two. It's like John chapter four, part two. And we're going to see what happens as a result of this encounter um, between Jesus and this woman and what she does as a result of drinking of the living water that was offered to her. So we're going to go to John 4, verse 27. We're going to start there and read through verse 45, if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever you use. And we'll go ahead and read it. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, he's overhearing them talking about him, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and like recap this a little bit. So here we have this woman. We're coming upon the very end of their conversation, Jesus and this woman, and he reveals himself to her. He says, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you have been looking for. And at this revelation, she drops her water jar and she runs to the town. It's pretty cool how she does this, what this living water did to her and how it changed her. And at this time that this is happening, the very end of this conversation, before she runs off, the disciples come back and they see Jesus talking to this woman. They're very concerned because he's talking to a woman, but they don't do anything about it. They just kind of whisper among themselves. And then they see her run off. And then they're concerned about Jesus' physical well-being, his nourishment. Because if you remember last week, when they left Jesus, he was famished, he was tired, and he was weary, and he needed food. And now they see him, and he's not that way. He's different, and they're concerned for him. So through this story, we can learn two things. First of all, we can learn how we are to share Jesus through this woman's response. And then we can learn from Jesus' message to his disciples why we need to share the good news. 
So first of all, let's look at what we need to do with, through this woman's response. The first thing is, is that we need to share the good news of Jesus with urgency. Here is this woman. She has met Jesus. She has, he has revealed himself to her. He is the Messiah. He is the one that she has been waiting for her entire life. And he fills her up with the living water. And she does something. She does not hesitate. She leaves her water jar. The one thing that she brought with her to be filled up, she leaves because instead of filling that up, she came filled up herself. Her soul, her spirit was full of the living water. And she does something. She runs back to the town. She runs back to her village, to her people, to her family, to her friends. And she goes to them and she does not hesitate to tell them what Jesus has done her. You see, Jesus' love changed her. It transformed her. It inspired her to want to go and tell others about Jesus. And that's what she did. She did not wait. She did not stop and think, hmm, should I keep this to myself? I don't know. I think I'm just going to keep it to myself. No, she left. She left her water jar and she ran to the people. And that's the second thing she did is she shared the story of what Jesus had done for her. And that's what we need to do. Share our story of what Jesus has done for us. Here's this woman who had a stained past, who had, she had been married five times, and the person that she was currently living with, she was not married to. So she wasn't exactly the town's most respected, reputable woman. She was probably on the outside, the outcast, the one that everybody whispered about behind her back. But here she did, she went to the people that she cared about. She went to them and she said, let me tell you what this man did for me. She just told him what he did. That was it. She shared her story. And then she says, could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one? I think the real miracle in this story is that this woman did not it to herself. She did not say, I don't think those people, they've been mean to me, or I'm not going to tell them because of all the hurt and anger inside of me. No. Jesus' love had been poured into her heart. It transformed her. It changed her so that she wanted to tell everyone about Jesus, not just the ones that, she, that liked her, but everyone, even the ones that maybe didn't like her. And that's what is cool about this story, about that the gospel, when Jesus comes into our life, it changes us. God pours his love into our hearts so that we can love others, even the ones who outcast us and shun us and hurt us. And then the third thing that she did is that she invited them to meet Jesus. So the woman, she, she left with urgency, she ran to tell them her story, and then she says, come and meet the one who changed everything for me. And they came. They left their homes and they came. Why? Because they knew this woman. They knew something had changed in her. They saw the change. So it's important that we go to the people around us. When God pours his love into us and he changes us, it's important that we go and tell the people about him. She didn't have any formal training she was just a woman, a woman who had a heart that was longing for a Messiah, a heart that was ready for Jesus' love. I find it interesting that earlier in, in John, we know that Jesus talked with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he was a trained rabbi. He knew the scriptures in and out. And when Jesus talked to him and shared with him how to be born again, Nicodemus listened, but he went home and he stayed silent. 
He didn't do anything with the message that Jesus had given him. But here we have this woman, this nameless woman, a woman with a stained past who decided to go and tell everybody about Jesus. So you see, God can use you and your story no matter what your story is. He can use it to bring others to Jesus. We just need to bring them to him. We just need to share our stories and let Jesus do the rest. It's Jesus who saves, not us. We just bring them to Jesus. Later, after the town people met Jesus and they spent time with him, it is said that they said this to the woman. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. It was after they had spent time in Jesus' presence that they really knew that he was the Savior of the world. So we know now how important it is for us to share the gospel, and we know how we need to do it, right? We need to do it with urgency. We do it by just sharing our story, and we do it by inviting others to Jesus. But here's where we really need to get into the meat of this, and that is why. Why is it that we need to tell others about Jesus? Well, I think it's mainly because it's what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to tell others about Jesus. Here it is, the disciples are returning, and they're concerned for Jesus. He's talking to a woman, he's hungry, and he hasn't had anything to eat. And they notice something is different about him, because he doesn't seem hungry anymore. And they said, well, who fed Jesus? And then Jesus said this to his disciples. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. You see, here Jesus came, his whole mission, and his whole time on earth was to make perfect God's purpose. The Greek word for finish here is teleo, and it means to complete, to finish, to fulfill, to make perfect. It's always been God's, it's always been Jesus' mission to do the will of the Father. That's why he came. He came to do his will. We see this in John 5.30 where it says, this is Jesus talking, and he says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And in John 6, 38, it says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That is the words of Jesus all throughout his ministry, was always to do God's will. And it was even up until the very last hours of his life as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's having this real struggle between his human flesh and the desire to please God. And he cries out to him, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And then he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then he goes on to say, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And even on the cross, as Jesus is breathing his last breath, he knows that it's time, that he has come and he has accomplished what God accomplished, what he came to do, the will of his Father. In John 19, 28, it says this, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. 
When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He had completed it. He had completed the Father's will. So what was the Father's will? What was it that Jesus had come here to do? What was it that he had come to finish and to accomplish and to make perfect? In Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, this is a prophecy concerning Jesus. And Jesus stood up in the tabernacle 40, after he had spent 40 days in the wilderness, after he had been baptized, and at the very beginning of his ministry, he went to his hometown tabernacle, and he stood in front of his people, and he said this, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to set the captives free. He came to bring salvation to everyone. In Isaiah 49, 9, it says, I will say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. That was his mission. That was why he came. You see, and Jesus came, and his ministry on earth was to bring freedom to the captives. And here Jesus had this encounter with this woman. He had this moment with this woman who needed to hear his message of love and forgiveness and grace. And she took it, and she received it. And she received it with joy, and this nourished him. It strengthened him. It encouraged him. This is why he had come. He had come so that this woman and many others could experience freedom and the living water. And he was joyful because of it. It nourished him. He no longer needed physical food. And here Jesus is saying this to the disciples, that true nourishment, true fulfillment comes from doing the will of the Father. And that is what God desires of us too, is to carry on Jesus' mission, to carry on the will of the Father. You see, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said this to his disciples, and he's saying it to us today. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are here to share the good news. That is why we're here. We're here to make disciples. And Jesus tells his disciples, and he's telling us today, that the harvest is ready now. He goes on to say this, after he explained where his nourishment came from, he says this to them. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He's saying this as the townspeople are coming to him. He's saying, look, open your eyes. Here they are. They're coming to me. Don't wait for the harvest. The harvest is not four months from now. The harvest is now. The people are ready now. So come and reap from this harvest. He goes on to say that even the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying that one sows and another reaps is true. And I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, and others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This saying that one sows and another reaps, 
it was a, he's saying, yeah, that's true. And, it, and usually up to this point, it's associated with unfairness, meaning all one person did all the work and other people get all the benefits. But Jesus is taking this proverb of complaint and he's reversing it and turning it into a proverb of gratitude because he's saying no longer should we look at others reaping the harvest of what we sow to something negative and unfair, but as something that we can all rejoice in. Because you see, the one who plants and the one who harvests both have joy because we are all working together to bring people to Jesus. We all play a part in bringing people to Jesus. These people of Samaria, they were ready to hear the message. They were ready to hear the good news. They were ready to receive the Messiah. Why? Because their hearts were ready. Why? Because somebody had planted a seed in their heart. They were looking for the Messiah. Because she said, could this be the Messiah? So somebody, the plant word had been planted. They knew about the Messiah, and they were ready to receive it and ready to hear from him. Sometimes I think that we can overcomplicate evangelism. We can overcomplicate telling others about Jesus. Because some of us, we plant the seeds. Some of us, we go and we plant the seeds by sharing our stories of what Jesus has done in us. Some of us, we do it by inviting them to Jesus. We do it by inviting them to, to church. And then some of us play a part in it by we reap the harvest of what others have planted. We disciple the new believers. We help them to grow in their walk with God. But it's not all up to one person. It's up to all of us. We all play a part in bringing people to Jesus. And we all need to do our part. God has called each and every one of us to share the gospel. None of us, none of us are without excuse. There's two different types of sins. There is the sins of commission which is a willful act of violating God's commands in Scripture. That's like lying and cheating and stealing, gossiping. And then there's the sins of omission. The sins of omission are not doing what is right or failing to do as instructed. It's willful disobedience. We don't like to talk about the sins of omission as much as we like to talk about the sins of commission, but when we don't do what we're supposed to do, what God has called us to do, it is a sin. James 4.17 says this, that if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. In 1 John 3.16-18, it says this, By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone with earthly possession sees his brother in need but withholds his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in action and in truth. We are to love this dying world around us. We are to share the good news with them. And But why do we hesitate? What causes this complacency within us that we just shut ourselves off from a dying world? And I say this to myself because as I was preparing this message this week, I was very, very convicted for not loving the world like I should love the world, meaning the people who are lost, the people who need Jesus. I was convicted because my heart does not break for them the way that my heart should break for them, the way that Jesus' heart breaks for them. Jesus, in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says this, that he went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I believe the key word here is compassion. Jesus had compassion on them. He cared for them. Our love for God needs to be like, our, we need to have compassion for the lost. We need to have that same compassion that Jesus had. And it needs to reside in our hearts. And if our hearts are not breaking for the lost, then we need to pray to God, break my heart for those who don't know you. We need to pray for it. And we need to allow God's love to pour into our hearts so that it compels us to go out into the world and to share our story and then invite them to Jesus. There's a story that I read this week, and it happened in, in 2007, and this is the story. By day two in the blazing Utah desert heat, Dave Bushow was in bad shape. Pale, racked by cramps, his speech slurred. The 29-year-old 20, New Jersey man was desperate for water and hallucinating so badly he mistook a tree for a person. After going roughly 10 hours without a drink in the 100-degree heat, he finally dropped dead of thirst, face down in the dirt, less than 100 yards from the goal, a cave with a pool of water. But Bush Chow was no solitary soul, lost and alone in the desert. He and 11 other hikers from various walks of life were being led by an expert guides on a wilderness survival adventure designed to test their physical and mental toughness. And the guides, it turned out, were carrying emergency water on that torrid summer day. Butchow wasn't told that, and he wasn't offered any water. The guides did not want him to fail the $3,175 course. They wanted him to dig deep, to push himself beyond his known limits, and make it to the cave on his own. We read the story, and we think, how could they? But when I read the story, I was thinking, here we are. We have the living water inside of us. We have Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And there are those all around us who are dying. They're dying because they don't have the living water. They're dying of thirst because no one is offering them Jesus. We have this living water, and it's living inside of us. And we need to offer it to those around us. We can't expect people to come to Jesus on their own. We can't expect them to go through life just struggling, barely making it, digging deep. And we just watch from the sidelines thinking, yeah, you can do it. But we don't offer them. Jesus, who can be the one that saves them, the one that refreshes them, the one that gives them eternal life. I speak this from a heart that is just feeling convicted. I want you to know that. I'm not speaking this to condemn. I'm not. I want to challenge us. We have a harvest field that is ripe around us. It is ripe. There are people out there ready to hear the gospel, ready to hear Jesus, and we have the answer. And we need to tell them. 
We can't stay silent anymore. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says this, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. You see, what he's saying here is that we are fragile clay broken jars. That woman at the well, she was broken. She had this treasure inside of her, and so do we. We have this treasure, and God uses us, broken vessels, to display this treasure and to give this treasure to others because of his power that works in us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to think, well, I don't have the words to say. I don't know what to do. God's power lives in us. He's using us, and he just wants us to share it. God uses us to spread the good news. We just simply have to tell our story. We just simply need to invite someone to Jesus. Maybe for others, it's just discipling new believers. Whatever it is, we are the ones that need to proclaim the good news. You see, this woman, she took what Jesus had done in her life. And what happened as a result? What happened because she chose to go and tell others? A town came to know Jesus. A town was evangelized. And I love it how they end out what they said. It's not just because of what you told us, but it's because we spend time with Jesus and now we know he is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's the Savior of the world? Then if we do, then we need to be telling everyone he is the Savior of the world. We've been given this great opportunity to buy this land, right? To evangelize. So we got to be ready because the harvest is there. And we got to be ready to bring people to Jesus. We've got to be ready now and not put off any longer what God is calling us to do now to offer the living water, to share the good news. It's as simple as telling your story. It's as simple as just saying, come and meet this man, this man who changed everything for me. Come and meet the Savior of the world. Amen? How many are ready? How many want to change and say, I am going to change. I am going to say, I'm going to change. I'm not going to be complacent anymore. I am. I've been praying all week, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for the lost. Put that love in my heart. Help me to remember, Lord, what you did for me and so that I can go and bring other people to you. And I believe that's all of our hearts and all of our intentions. Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the message that you've given us today. Lord, I just pray that when we hear this, that it would change us, that it would transform us, that we wouldn't just listen and be like, yeah, that was good, and then walk out and go back to living our lives the way we used to live them. 
But God, I just pray that you would birth within us a passion for your lost. Birth within us a passion to go and tell others about you and to bring them to you, Jesus. Because that is what you've called us to do. And because we have this treasure inside of us and we can't contain, hold it in, we've got to share it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to open our eyes and look and see the harvest field that is right before our eyes and that it is ripe. That we need to be telling people about you and we need to be discipling people. Let that be our, our vision, our goal, our desire. I thank you, Lord, that you are so good. And I pray, Lord God, for, for us this week that you would bring people into our lives, bring people into our paths that we can share your love with. And may we not have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of power and of love and a sound mind. And know that your Holy Spirit lives in us and it gives us the power to go out and share your good news. I thank you, Jesus. You are so good, so, so good. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. In your precious holy name, amen, 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 amen. Right, right. You are dismissed. Have a good day. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit northviewutah.com.